Hello, everyone out there. Hope you guys are still with us uh, for the actual episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance, where we go over the latest and greatest in wrestling news, a place that you don't have to worry about us nitpicking the shit out of things, you know, to the point where you wonder if we're wrestling fans or not. Yeah, you know, we might get a little bit like here and there if they're going around a storyline or doing something weird, but don't worry. We're not going to be like one of those guys that say, hey, we love this whole entire episode and spend 20 minutes breaking down the one thing that we don't like. That's just not us. See, we're wrestling fans. We give you guys a different type of product. If we had a Patreon, for instance, we wouldn't be just offering, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, some type of segment before one of our shows where you can ask us what's our favorite food or shit like that. We, everything would be wrestling content because that's what we're about. We're not here to nitpick. We're here to have fun. We're here to be wrestling fans, Wrestling Geeks Alliance. And you guys have heard an amazing interview that we have with Christopher Daniels. There are definitely more to come. I wish I could say about some of them, but they're not finalized, so I can't. But what I promise you is that, you know, through time, our quality of sound will get better. Our, our, our presentation will get better. Our guests will get better. But we will still be always the same great content and the same great fans talking about wrestling and keeping up with the news, frankly, because a lot of these podcasts apparently just don't know what the hell the dirt sheets are. But I digress. Let me just talk your ear off for six hours more. But actually, we're going to be talking about WrestleMania, and I need to introduce my co-host, Brother Ray Patton. Christopher, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing wonderful. Uh, we just had an amazing interview. We got to talk some Ring of Honor. It was very exciting. And, uh, you know, outside of work, this has been a pretty great week, especially for wrestling. So I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about it, man. Did you like me trying to get heat with the other podcasts out there just now? I mean, yes and no, because now I'm afraid, like, Brian Alvarez is going to hit me with a dropkick in a parking lot or some shit. But, like, other than that, yeah, sure. Well, <laughs> even though he's highly opinionated, Brian Alvarez has a little more credibility than some of the other guys I was going after. Um, uh, okay. Also, and I mean, what... <laughs> You know, as as you can see, we this weekend was a wrestling montage of amazingness for us. We weren't like, oh, the indie shows are better, or oh, the WWE Supreme. I think that new, younger, millennial fucking mentality that kind of destroys DC and Marvel for me when it comes to the movies and comics kind of trickles over here, and it just reminds me of jock bullshit. Why don't we just enjoy stuff and stop, you know, bitching? But, like I said, once again... I digress. Let's talk about some WrestleMania, guys. Hope you guys enjoyed this weekend and got to see a bunch of wonderful wrestling. I mean, I know there was a lot out there. Um, we're going to start off with WrestleMania. We're going to go into TakeOver. And then me and Chris have a list of a lot of the matches compiled. And we're going to go over back and forth some of our favorite matches from this weekend. Cross-promotion. So let's start off with the big one. Uh, WrestleMania. All right, Chris. Uh, I guess we should go to the pre-show first. Uh, the men's battle royal happened. Actually, let me let me just back up. I wanted to ask you something about this, Christopher, because I found out this, and it just drove me absolutely crazy. For the amount of matches that they had on this fucking thing and the amount of time they were only able to give certain people, um, to know that the battle royal for the men's and the women's and also the cruiserweight match was less than 30 minutes, but we needed a two-hour pre-show to go over everything. 
Don't you think that's a bit much? I do. It goes back to the old mentality of WrestleMania back when people used to buy pay-per-views where they wouldn't watch wrestling for two to three weeks and they'd buy the pay-per-view and you'd watch the pay-per-view preview beforehand. Uh, If you remember, the pay-per-view channel would unlock and there would be two hours of here's what happened and you could just watch that and then pick up to WrestleMania. I think with WrestleMania this year, they knew that a lot of people were going to tune in to see Ronda Rousey succeed or fail, whether they were fans of the product or not. And they really were trying their best to pump the card as hard as they could with the pre-show, which they always do. But I, I agree with you. The fact that the combined total of these matches was around 30 minutes and the pre-show was of course, like you said, two hours. Uh, it was a bit rough and it was, it, I'm not going to lie. I was kind of watching the hall of fame, during the free show to kept catch up on everything. Um, but obviously when the matches came on, I, you know, Paul's one watch the other. Uh, but yeah, man, I mean, WrestleMania really in reality, we've had this conversation before you can't expect your fans, even in a building to enjoy seven hours of wrestling. There's going to be ups and downs, ebbs and flows. I think it's something that needs to be split. Um, into two shows. Maybe you even split it into two shows in two different buildings and you sell out both buildings for WrestleMania. Uh, you do separate days. I, I, I don't know. They got to find a better way to do this because I think a lot of the other matches um, were very short because of how much they had on this damn card. And that just speaks to how much talent WWE has. Uh, obviously not all the storylines are focused in the way that they should be, but I, overall, I really enjoyed this WrestleMania and going into it, as we said for the past couple of weeks, looking at the card is like, there is a lot and some of these matches aren't going to be what fans want them to be um, just because we know they're not going to have the time to get them there, uh, but you know, I, I agree with you on the pre-show Yeah, I just feel like, you know if they stop talking about the exact same shit, had a couple of interviews that were really not that necessary um, they could have put the U.S. title match on there seems like one of them, and even the, if they were going to give that little time to the SmackDown Tag Team Champ, that match, I know they're going to use Braun Strowman's match as a big one in there, which we'll get to. Um, they could have put that there too, and given more time to some of these matches like AJ and Nakamura and the other ones to flesh out. Actually, I mean, I think that when you're instead of spectacle, which I know is Vince McMahon's thing, when it comes to your biggest wrestling pay per view. I think the wrestling should be the most important. But what are you going to do? Let's start off with this uh, battle royal. Um, yeah, Matt Hardy yes. won the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. Yes! The final three <laughs> were Matt Hardy and former winners Baron Corbin and Mojo Raleigh. Bray Wyatt made his sudden return, teleporting to the ring after some darkness to help Hardy. Hardy and Wyatt teamed up to eliminate Mojo and Corbin, giving Hardy the win after the match. The two shook hands, posed together, and then Matt Hardy had a long conversation with his good friend, Andre. Um, yes, he talked to the statue. Actually, he made a video afterwards you can find on, I believe, his either WWE's page or on his Twitter account. Um, Chris, I said Dolph Ziggler. I was fucking wrong. Um, apparently, also, we're all wrong about this negotiation rumor that, that, that I think got started by the newsletter. Cause apparently 
Dolph said he hasn't renegotiated shit. They're in the process of it, and he definitely didn't get a raise, but he found out about the information when his dad called him to, to congratulate him, and he was like, wait, what? Uh, so there's all that. Just just put throwing it out there. Um, he did his best Shawn Michaels uh, impression several times, Skin of the Cat. Uh, but, yeah, I really enjoyed the outcome. Matt Hardy was actually my second choice. I thought Bray was going to be in it. I thought Big Cass would be in this. I thought they would have a couple call-ups. But it was pretty much every other guy in tag teams and singles within this match. It was still fun. Um, but, I mean, this is, the Gi- this is the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. It's pretty much the same every year, minus Gronk from last year. Chris, how did you like it? You know, I, I, Matt Hardy was my choice to win outside of uh, – he was my choice to win, and then outside of that was like someone like a Samoa Joe or, or a, like a Kane or a Big Show just for a nostalgia pop or something. So it was fun to see Matt Hardy win here. I think what they did with Bray Wyatt is a very interesting storyline. Um, especially with a follow-up on Raw afterwards uh, with Brother Nero. Uh, I think that that's a good way to start friction between Matt and Jeff to lead to Matt versus Jeff, um, which I think is you know where they eventually want to go anyways. And having Bray there, I think, uh, escalates that, especially if you know Bray and Matt win the titles. I think there's some cool stuff, storyline you can do there. Match itself was, you know, it was what it was. I, I really enjoyed... Um, Ty Dillinger and Matt Hardy in the center of the ring yelling at each other where Matt looks at Ty Dillinger and he just goes, who are you? And Tyler Dillinger just threw his hands out and just said 10. And then Matt Hardy was like, delete. It's, it was a great little fun section, which plays into both of their characters. Uh, I Dolph Ziggler definitely did his best Shawn Michaels impersonation uh, as always with any over the top gimmick. Um, Matt talking to the the trophy, you know, uh, Andre, the wonder of eights, or whatever he's calling him now, uh, which was fun. Um, I think they made Corbin look pretty good overall in the match. Uh, yeah, and Mojo. I, I mean, I yeah, I, I like I like I like this match. I think it progressed some characters, and I think it gives you a cool storyline with Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt after the Lake of Reincarnation. Um, where you can go several ways with that. You can have, you know, Bray and Matt feud again, or you can go Matt and Bray feud against Jeff, and then Jeff conquer them, and then you have Matt versus Bray, or or however you want to do that, and then you can have Jeff go to where it seems like they're trying to put him, which is back up to the top of the card, which he's so over still just being Jeff Hardy, the name Jeff Hardy. Uh, overall, I actually enjoyed this match because I think they built like some cool storyline out of it. And usually this is just like, well, whoever wins this, we're just going to push them as a badass. And it's usually just whoever big, you know, they bring up, uh, say like with Baron Corbin or Mojo Rawley obviously was already up to the main roster, but that's definitely what they were going for, trying to get him a rub off Gronk. Um, and this is actually a storyline that pays off that you're going to get to see something else out of. Uh, they could be very entertaining. So I enjoyed it. Yeah, I have I'm, – I'm just going to throw, throw out this, this concept I was thinking about today, Chris, for a possible thing they're probably not going to do in WWE because it's too cool. Um, what I would do with this Bray Wyatt-Matt Hardy thing is really run this song for a while. They could be, it looks like there's, they have potential to obtain the tag team championships for SmackDown. Or maybe it's Raw. No, it's Raw. Um, but if I was them, have this go on for a while – I would love it if Bray Wyatt screws over Matt Hardy 
throughout a duration of time period where he builds his trust and stuff like that. By the way, I wish that they would have given Bray a, a somewhat of a different look, even if it's like white clothing, something to change him up a little bit, but that's fine. So basically, like, all this is a ploy, and then on the compound, Bray screws over Matt and says that uh, the Wyatt family is invading, um, and we're taking over the Hardy compound to make it the new Wyatt compound. And then his new Wyatt family, they can kind of show it zombie style, like they're they're coming through the woods and stuff like that to invade the house, and maybe it's Jeff and him that have to battle this new Wyatt family, and that's a good way to, to give... Bray, if he wants to be a villain, his family back, which I think was the strongest thing about his connection to the audience, at least. But yeah, I, I think they could do a lot with this if you can't sell. And I think that stuff with Jeff was great. It was comedic, especially when he talked to Seth and um, Finn. They were like, what the hell was that, dude? But I love how he still talked to him and he embraced Bray. A lot of good stuff from this, but I agree. Um, let's move on to the, uh, the Cruiserweight Championship. Cedric Alexander defeated Mustafa Ali. Alexander pinned Ali after a lumbar check to win the tournament and become the new Cruiserweight champion. Saw this coming. I really thought there was an inside chance that Mustafa Ali would get it because I'm starting to really like him. i got to be honest with everyone listening, though. I don't know if it was because they were limited on time. These guys have torn it up uh, together and also in separate matches way more so than this match uh, right here. At least the one with Austin Aries and Neville – they took it up a notch. I think they were able to put a lot more into their match. I'm not blaming Cedric or Mustafa, but I've seen them have better matches with the two of them in 205 Live than I did at WrestleMania. But I'm very happy that Cedric finally, who probably was going to win it after, uh, you know, uh, what's his name? DDP Jr., uh, Enzo. Um, and, I, and I say that in the nicest way, too. I love DDP, but it's a joke. Um, but, yeah, I, I thought this match was all right, basically. I've I seen better with them. How did you like it? I think it was okay. Obviously, there's time constraints, and I, I don't think they sold the rest of the tournament enough to get the talent over. Um, if you're going to do a lot of big pre-show thing, you're going to take the amount of time to show off the, all of these match previews. I think it would have been beneficial to show more highlights from the tournament and what these guys had to overcome to build into the match, which I don't think they did a great job at. Uh, outside of that, I was really excited to hear, uh, like, see Cedric Alexander finally get the belt. I, I think it's well-deserved. They kind of saddled him with some bullshit gimmicks with, you know, Alicia Fox and Noam Dard. I think that really killed his original character and push a little bit. Um, Coming out of that, I think they've done a good job, and hopefully Cedric Alexander can, can step it up and, and take it to the next level. Uh, but, you know, we'll see. I guess we'll tune in 205 Live to find out. I do like Mustafa Ali, um, but I kind of had Cedric pinned in for this one anyways as far as, like, who was going to win. It seems – it makes the most sense with him. It seems like he was naturally the next person in line. I do agree. All right, then we have the uh, – the women's battle royal. Did you hear about how Chris Jericho proposed the idea for the uh, sensational invitational after sensational Sherry to Vince? He texts that as an idea after he found out all the bullshit with Moolah was happening. He's like, Hey, why don't you name it this? And Vince texts back THX as in, I got this motherfucker. Don't worry about it. And like Chris like laughed at it, but like, I thought that was brilliant. The sensational invitational. I didn't even think about Sherry. 
she is one of the the best and and you know representing of a female wrestler from the past. I think yeah, that would have been a good idea for a name, right, Chris? Instead of just the the uterus battle royal or whatever the fuck that trophy was. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um, I think like that would uterus. be a good, <laughs> that would be a good name for for the battle royal itself. I mean, they could have just called it the women's battle royal. I I don't know that it needed a gimmick to begin with, but um, it's not a gimmick. It's they, paying homage and not to a shitty person like Moolah, you know. That's that's true. Uh, <laughs> that's true. I guess. Uh, <laughs> man, you broke me up on that one. Now my brain is like Dunsey. Um, I was trying to. I, I think they, the, you know, they inducted Cork Holmes. They could have named it mm-hmm. the Cork Holmes Battle Royal, and that would have made sense. And then you just tie it to someone uh, who was the NWA United States Women's Champion like four times, um, inducted into the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame as well as the WWE Hall of Fame. I think if you were going to go ahead and induct her, obviously she was part of just the Legends package that gets inducted. You could have done a Cork Holmes trophy or a Cork Holmes Battle Royal, and then just rotate the names out if you don't want to stick with one name. Uh, or what name or whatever. Um, Mildred Burt would have been another good one, I, I believe. But obviously, if you were going to go WWE, um, Sensational Sherry would have been a bad choice. You know? So, I, I, I great woman wrestler, great ballet, great heel, you know, roughed it up with the dudes if she had to. Much better. Uh, taught a lot of the women, too. But, you know, that THX. Thanks, Chris. Go fuck off. Fuck you and New Japan. That's, that's what I feel like Vince was saying, basically, in that deck. All right, well, and within I won't the match, be on we your cruise. About... <laughs> and you can, you, and you're, well, you're not fired, but I might need you at the, the greatest Royal Rumble in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> what the fuck? We forgot about the greatest Royal Rumble. We might have to go over that, too. There's a lot of fucking cool matches on that thing. Happened in a couple weeks. It's like the biggest house yeah. show of all time. Uh, <laughs> no, but Chris, it's literally going to come on noon Friday at the end of this month. So we're going to have to <laughs> try to hold out spoilers and get home to watch 50 people and Rusev and Undertaker in a casket match. And I'm trying to tell people that Rusev's not getting buried. What the fuck? All right. Um, well, I mean, the woman's battle royal. He, he's not going to get buried, but he's definitely getting put in a casket. So <laughs> there's that. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good point. I think this is a good way of looking at it. As long as he doesn't toss him on top of the casket, you know, screw up his back and shit like he did my uh, favorite wrestler of all time. Uh, the final four were Sasha Banks, Bailey, Sarah Logan, and Ruby Riot. From what all of us thought, uh, Banks and Bailey teamed up to eliminate the Riot Squad and then face off one another. Bailey used a handshake to Banks to unexpectedly eliminate her, and then. When we found out that Naomi never got eliminated, she came in and eliminated her. Uh, my my complaints about this match that's really meaningless because it has a uterus trophy. Um, whatever, it's the first time. Uh, Naomi on the outside, I don't mind Naomi winning it. I love the fact that she has another notch at WrestleMania for her. I mean, she won in her hometown last year for the title, and she's the first one to win this. That's fine, but come on, that whole entire she's been on, she's been outside the whole like. It's not like the Royal Rumble where there's a long period of time. They've only been in there for fucking like 15 minutes. So she just comes in at the end, pulls some heel shit, even though she's a super baby face. Eh, 
And also, you know, when you give three women only out of all the battle royals, men's and women, an entrance, and it's Sasha, Bailey, and Becky. First of all, I think it's kind of bullshit and kind of rude to all the other talent. They should have just had the same exact as anyone else, especially Becky, if who I thought was going to win, and you tossed her out like it was nothing halfway through the damn thing. It's like, Jesus, can they quit pissing on Becky? Like, I don't think they're burying her or whatever, but it's like, I mean, she could have been one of the last people. Sarah Logan really didn't have to be it. Whatever. Chris, how'd you feel? In a, in a lot of ways, the same way you felt. Um, minus the trophy thing. I didn't even notice that. Now I'm going to have to go look at it to see what the fuck you're talking about. I'm going oh, to send you a picture right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I agree with you. Obviously, you know, people like Natalia, who's been there for forever, it would be great to see her get a WrestleMania moment that she hasn't had, really. Um, I was fine with Naoma winning it. It was a fun surprise. I think it was a fun surprise for the crowd. She did win in a very heel manner. That's usually how a heel would win a battle royal. Like, oh, they didn't actually get eliminated, and then they hid the entire time. So to me, that's just like weird booking. But obviously, it was overshadowed by the fact that the two best, like, you know, Sasha got screwed over by Bailey. So the heel move of her coming in and eliminating Bailey was, you know, it was overshadowed, basically. Uh, what I will say about this is I hate these kind of finishes uh, where you're trying to give Bailey this edge and then you make her look like a complete dumbass. Um, <laughs> like she's standing there like she's won. The ref's told, telling her she didn't win. And then Naomi coming back in the ring took forever. So the finish of this match was just really sloppy. It could have been sped up and probably made a little bit more sense. Um, and yes, wow. Uh, didn't realize that about the trophy, but I, I definitely see what you're saying now. It's a uterus. All right. <laughs> Let's get out of the pre-show and onto the main card. Um, and after this, I'm going to talk about what I would have done with positioning matches if it was me and not the billionaire Vince McMahon that's been doing this for fucking 50 million years. Um, all right, the IC triple threat match. One of my favorite matches on the card. Some of the stuff that happens later on, though, kind of makes you forget about this match since they put it first, but I love this match. Um, and it was between Seth Rollins, The Miz, Finn Balor. Seth Rollins ended up winning. Rollins was able to curb stomp Balor into Miz, Mrs. Back during a pinfall attempt, then hit a second curb stomp on Miz to win the match. Seth Rollins is your new Intercontinental Champion. Um, just that's the thing that sucks, Chris. I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm trying really hard, and I've watched. A lot. I forgot to watch this match again. It was one of my favorites, but because of all the wrestling I consumed, it's hard for me to remember a pinpoint of something that sticks out in this match. But I remember they had a great match, very back and forward. Um, and I was happy to see Seth win. I wanted to see Miz win so he could break the record because it seems like he's going to be sticking around for a while. But that's fine. Comes tension. It's going to be lots of changes, and I'm glad that one of my favorite wrestlers is a Grand Slam champion uh, within WWE, along with everyone in S.H.I.E.L.D. now, which is pretty impressive for the amount of time they've been in the company. How would you like this match? I actually really enjoyed the match. Um Seth Rollins, the the spots with Seth Rollins, he hit this high cross body block, and it looked like he was 100 feet in the air coming off the ropes. He was jumping out of the fucking arena, basically. Like, 
we had a comment thread going on on Geek Vibes, and literally when I when I was seeing him jump, I was like, Air, Air Rollins, like the amount of effort he puts into WrestleMania matches or just pay-per-view matches in general is kind of unmatched. Um, he goes all out and, and he was definitely the shining star of the match. I, I thought there were some good spots with Miz and Balor uh, back and forth. And then obviously, uh, you know, Miz hit, hitting his skull crushing finale, looking like he was going to get the win legitimately after sending the Miz Taraj away, which was a weird thing for the Miz to do. And, and Rollins hitting that curb stomp. Um, onto the Miz was 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 a really cool spot, uh, and overall, I, I, this is one of my favorite matches of the night. If I had to look at this entire card, um, and it was a lot of fun to see Seth Rollins win the Intercontinental, Intercontinental Champion. I think it was a nod to the crowd because they knew later on there's going to be some things they didn't like. I, I would say some of the crowd didn't like this next match we're going to talk about uh, specifically just because of the finish. Uh, and obviously the match following that. So this was definitely a good one to open the show with. I wish they would have had a little bit more time because I, I think they could have done more. Uh, but I do look forward to seeing Seth Rollins versus Finn and Seth Rollins versus The Miz again. Um, the real question is, like, where is The Miz going from here? And uh, He's definitely playing the card of, I'm a dad now, so I'm turning my life around. But is that just going to turn into Miz becoming a heel again? <laughs> Because <laughs> they flip flop it. It so seems much. like it's not uh, lasting. Yeah, he's he's one of the few people that are able to kind of position into different roles. But I, I think Miz could be a good face if they just let him run. And they really don't have anyone else, maybe outside of Braun, that has potential to be a baby face or or Samoa Joe or or Seth Rollins. But Rollins obviously is the IC champion. I think you could put Samoa Joe there if you have him demolish Reigns and then you have him beat Brock Lesnar. I think you could definitely put. Samoa Joe um, as as your face on Raw. Obviously, he's not going to be the face of the company. I think that will fall onto the shoulders of AJ Styles for a while. Um, but Samoa Joe could definitely be the face on Raw and, and the guy that people get excited about. Absolutely. All right. Um, yeah, the next match we were referring to is the SmackDown Women's Championship. Charlotte Flair defeated Asuka. Flair won an incredible back-and-forth match by submission with the figure-eight leg lock, ending Asuka's undefeated streak. After the match, Asuka announced that Charlotte was ready for Asuka, thanked and hugged her as the two embraced and started to cry. Um, I thought this match was fucking fantastic. Uh, To me, this should have fucking been the headliner. I know people are going to be mad about the ending, but listen to me right now, all you marks, okay? Because I've seen so many people complaining about this. They had Carmella. That was going to happen. They already had Baron Corbin lose. So Carmella's going to cash that shit in and probably win it, like she did. How the hell is she going to beat Oscar Streak and then lose the next night to Carmella? Would you have rather Carmella came down and been the reason why Oscar Streak lost instead of her winning to the other best female in the freaking organization with the belt? Or done it right afterwards, have her just come in and then beat Asuka who wins it right afterwards, that would have been a better scenario? No, if they have both the things that they have to do, having a streak is like having a monkey on your back. The only person that really didn't have this problem, honestly, is Undertaker. Charlotte with the pay-per-view thing, that screws her up with booking. Uh, Goldberg streak should have gone longer, but eventually would have screwed things up. 
Rusev. There's so many people that, yeah, they might have cut him short, but eventually you're going to have to stop it. Asuka's been going on longer than anyone. She's got the record. No one's going to beat that anytime soon. For her to lose to the top female in the company, that's not a bad thing. And maybe this can really bring out a lot more stuff, and God, God forbid she can be vulnerable within matches, and we don't have to worry about her, you know, basically them putting her in a corner because they don't know what to do as long as, you know, she's got to win. It screwed up the whole entire Mixed Match Challenge, even though I didn't give a shit about that. We knew Oscar was going to win. So I think this is a very smart way of doing it. People would have been pissed if a Car- Carmella cashed in right after either Charlotte or Oscar won that and screwed it up even worse. This way, both women had an amazing match, probably the best match of the night from what most people say. Yeah, the Ronda Rousey thing was very spectacle, but this was the best wrestling match to me. And then afterwards, they embraced, there was sportsmanship. I usually don't like that type of stuff. Uh, I was getting on my nerves later on with Shinsuke and AJ until what happened. But when it came, came to them, you know, the embrace, the fact that Charlotte probably was so thankful that, you know, they were willing to do this. It was a great WrestleMania moment. And if you have a problem with it, you just don't understand simple booking to me. Because, like I said, if Carmella was out of the picture, you'd have a lot more to say. But especially if you're bitching about Carmella doing it the next night, you're an idiot. I'm sorry. You don't get it. Chris, how do you feel about this match? I mean, with the way the women's battle royal went and Naomi winning it, and you have Charlotte beating Asuka, for me, it sets up a rebound match between Charlotte and Asuka for a number one contendership, and then possibly you can throw Naomi in there to kink that up a little bit and eventually build back to, obviously, Charlotte and Asuka, um, with one of them having the title, maybe even Asuka beating Carmella for the title. Uh, so then you have a situation which I was preaching with New Japan, which is Omega wins it from, like, you. He let's say Okada dropped the title to NATO, Omega wins it from NATO, and now you have a different way to build back to Okada and Omega. And I think that is what they're going to be going for here. So I have no problem with the way they booked it. Charlotte's not invincible. Charlotte has lost the title. She's a what, five-time champ at this point. They have to have Charlotte lose because eventually they want her to beat whatever record is set by either her dad or John Cena. I mean, they're saving it for her. Um, I know people don't want to hear that, but I think that's the obvious booking with what they've done with Charlotte and how she's dropped titles. As far as the match, I agree with you. I think it was one of the better matches tonight, if not the best match of the night. Um, the ending of the match was so great where Charlotte had – her shoulder had been worked over so hard she couldn't even put on the full figure eight, but she still hit it one-armed while selling. Like, there's just subtle nuances that Charlotte Flair and Oscar were able to accomplish in this match, which surpasses, in my opinion, anything Charlotte has done previously. The amount of chemistry that her and Oscar had was incredible. I think it's one of Charlotte Flair's best matches. I know I'm going to get heat from the Sasha Banks fans, but to me, it was a more believable match especially with Oscar's undefeated streak, Charlotte being champion. And at the end of the day, I, I said last week that I don't want to see Carmella have any part of this because the only way you fix that is if they both demolish Carmella, which does absolutely nothing for her as a character. Now she's a heel that has a title that she's scumbag one. And she has two of the best women wrestlers in the world chasing her, or you send Oscar back to raw. Because she didn't win the championship, so technically she's still on the Raw roster. So now you have something for Charlotte Flair to do. 
and Asuka has something to do. She can go after Nia Jax. So, booking-wise, I'm completely fine with it. And I agree with you. I think it's easy to put that into a shell and be like, well, you're going to have Charlotte beat Asuka, take her streak, and then have her lose. Well, the whole point of the streak being gone is so that you can have wins and losses. And while I don't want them to go a 50-50 booking route with Asuka, I also don't want to see Asuka be stuck in a position where she has to win every match because then if she's going against someone like Nia Jax, you're just going to expect her to win, right? Like, it, it's not a good spot, especially if you're building up Ronda Rousey because eventually what you would want is someone like Asuka to go against Ronda Rousey. So you have to have legitimate threats and opponents. So you have to think about things long-term. I was perfectly fine with the outcome. I really did think Asuka was going to win here and then lose to Charlotte later on. Um, I thought that's where they were going to go or lose the title to Carmella in a match with uh, with Charlotte. Uh, but that being said, I think they wanted to give Charlotte Flair a big WrestleMania moment. I think the hug between Asuka and Charlotte was fine. Uh, mutual respect, obviously, the Queen and the Empress. That's kind of the storyline that they were building. And, you know, Asuka's not really a heel or face, so she doesn't have a reason to attack Charlotte in any sense. Like, they don't have much history together. Uh, and if you're bringing Asuka back to Raw, I think the booking of this match made perfect sense. That's how I felt about it, but I, I could see people being upset. You know, if you're a huge Asuka fan, you probably wanted to see her win the title at WrestleMania. There's a lot of ways you could look at this. You could go, well, WWE beat Charlotte, like built Charlotte Flair. She was built from NXT to ground up. Which what, I, what I said last week, I was like, don't be surprised if she wins. Um, even though I did predict Asuka to win, I believe. I'd have to go back and listen, but I don't I think did. there's a reason to be upset about that. No, I, I, I don't think so either. And I, I, I agree with you. Like, I love Sasha. And you know, kind of using – Ric Flair was making comparisons with him. I watched a ride-along, and they were making comparisons with his daughter's opponents. I feel like Natty was her Harley. Um, that's actually what Rick said and kind of makes sense. First big opponent, been around longer. Uh, I think Sasha is her Dusty. He compared it to Ricky. To me, I've never seen someone, especially with little experience in the ring with her – be able to flow as fluid as Oscar did. So Oscar to me is her steamboat. Um, and Becky from what Rick said is her sting. So I don't know what the hell that means. Bailey is, I guess she's kind of like a happy macho man, Randy Savage in the future. I don't know, but I agree. The women, I want to see them. I want to see them. T- it seems like Dane might've uh, dropped for a second. He'll be right back. I'm sure. But uh, the next thing we're definitely going to be talking about is, Weird scenario where John Cena in the crowd, ref walked up to him, told him something, and he jumped the rail and ran back, which during the beginning of this pay-per-view, I kind of had a drinking game, which was every time they show John Cena on camera during a match, have a drink. So that was a lot of fun. Um, it was a lot of fun. It was a weird... <laughs> there he is. Dane's back. But uh, how, how did getting, you feel about the John Cena... Well, I was going to go into that, actually. Um, to me, that was the thing that pissed me off about this match. You had this amazing moment. You have Charlotte, who won. She's going up a damn ramp. Uh, you have Oscars in the ring, who just, like, lost her opportunity to winning. And then John has to get Mike Kyoto to come out to tell him that Taker's here. 
So he jumps over the thing and kind of interrupts it. But that was kind of silly and stupid. About it in a bit, a better time period or something. Um, but I also don't have a problem with the Undertaker match we're about to talk about eventually. So that's what it led up to. Uh, all right, the next match. One of the matches, like, it was all right. Uh, I hated it. U.S. Well, the match wasn't bad. It just uh, the outcome is stupid, and where it's leading to is garbageville. U.S. Championship Fatal Four Way. Randy Orton, the champion, went against Jinder Mahal, Bobby Roode, and Rusev. Lost to fucking Jinder Mahal, uh, and Rusev had to eat the yes, Rusev day. Uh, Rusev was locking Mahal in the accolade when one of the Singh brothers interfered. Weird. Mahal used a distraction to hit the Coloss and win the U.S. championship. And what kills this, Chris, is that Randy Orton beat the other two to become the number one contender. So now, that makes me think they're probably both going to stay on the same brand since they have a pay-per-view past the shakeup. And we're going to have to see a feud between Jinder Mahal and Randy Orton for a fucking belt again. Am I in the twilight zone? I I don't know. Yes. Yes and no. You are in the twilight zone, I guess. Um, Yeah, I agree with you. The match itself I thought was fine as far as the in-ring work goes. I didn't care for the outcome. I thought it was cool that they at least gave a glimmer of hope that Rusev was going to win. I thought it was trash that they they still think that Randy Orton and Jinder Mahal is a bigger draw than like Rusev versus Jinder Mahal or Bobby Roode versus Jinder Mahal. Yeah. Uh, I don't... We've already seen Jinder versus Randy. No one cares about that feud. They didn't care about it when it was for the WWE title. They're definitely not going to care about it when it's for the United States Championship. So, yeah, I agree with you. Man, it's so frustrating. I, I just don't understand... I mean, you really, if if that's going to be the thing, can't Randy take the day? If you're going to get, if you're going to let Randy win it the next night, can't Randy take the pin over Bobby Roode or or Rusev, especially Rusev? Like, ugh, whatever. <laughs> WWE is going to do what they want, or I should say, Vince is going to do what he wants. Next match, one of my favorite matches of the night. Uh, which I couldn't believe. Uh, one of the ones I remember a lot of: Ronda Rousey and Kurt Angle against Stephanie McMahon and Triple H. Um, this was a fun match. Uh, Ronda really impressed me. Uh, I don't know if I'll go to the extent that Dave Metzler said that to him, she has been able to take on the sport. I think she, he compared, I could see Ken Shamrock, but he, she, he compared him, her to uh, Kurt Angle, actually. And don't get me wrong, I think she did damn well in the ring. I think a couple of things that she tried to do some chain work with Stephanie and go around her back that did not work out. I don't think that was Rhonda's fault. I mean, she had been training with Natalia, Brian Kendrick, Charlotte. So that's who she was used to working with. I love Stephanie, but she's not the most skilled technician in the ring. That's kind of known. She also did an exploder suplex Stephanie that thank, thankfully she kind of carried her the right way, but Stephanie landed not bad in a bad way, but just made it look like shit. Um, but other than that, especially the part where Triple H is, I think he laid out Kurt Angle outside, and you can see Ron in the background just going back and forth like a boxer going, come on, hey, hey Hunter, come on. And, like, he knows that she's sizing him up, and he laughs about it, goes in the ring, 
The ref tries to get in between him. He laughs, grabs the ref, literally takes him physically and puts him in the corner, says, don't worry about it. Goes over, gets in her face, and, of course, you have one of the greatest heels of all time trying to intimidate Ronda Rousey. And I really think the Hunter beforehand was like, all right, don't knock me out because that would make me look horrible, but you can lay in those punches because she got to the corner and was just berating him with punches. And, of course, it ended. Uh, well, I thought it was going to end with the two of them making them both tap out. Uh, that didn't happen. I thought it was going to end with, with Triple H tapping out to the armbar from Ronda Rousey, which I thought was awesome. Uh, ended up being Stephanie, who finally Ronda got a, a hold of. A lot of people are bitching about the fact that, like, Stephanie was locking her, her hands and being able to, like, defend herself. In the storyline, if I'm, if I'm going to make sense of it, Stephanie has been training specifically for that. She knows that Ronda's biggest thing is an arm bar, so she's going to use her strength. Or you can look at it as that Ronda was toying with her, knew that she could finish it, and finally, when she wanted to finish it, she did. She broke it, and then that was it, and the match was over. I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, if she gets her mic worked up or gets a good valet, I think Ronda has a fuckload of more potential than I did beforehand. Excuse my French. Wee oui, wee. Oui. Um, and I was really impressed. I thought this was a really fun match. And, you know, for someone who buries a lot of people, who actually has the most loss out of anyone for WrestleMania, Triple H, he has no problem taking a good ass whooping from one of the badass females in, uh, you know, MMA and, and now professional wrestling. Chris, am I being too high on this match, or were you impressed with Ronda Rousey's first debut? I was actually impressed with the match. I didn't have as much problem with the chain wrestling. Obviously, it wasn't great, but she's been there against Stephanie. The work she did with Hunter more than made up for it. I liked the finish. It, it did make Kurt Angle look weak, which I was afraid they were going to do. I was afraid Kurt Angle was going to eat a pin, honestly, um, going into the match. But uh, it, it was fun. And to see the Hills take an ass whipping for once, uh, the authority to take a beating from someone that's not part of the Shield to lose uh, at WrestleMania was really cool to see. And, it, it you know, I'm not going to go out there like they like like you said with Meltzer and be like, it was the best thing since fucking Kurt Angle coming back. Well, the, you know, to be fair, Kurt Angle had a lot more uptime to get into the WWE. So I will say I think it's important, and um, I will say it's a confidence builder for Ronda Rousey because afterwards she came out and, like, apologized to the WWE Universe, which I guess is more going into a new segment, which we did, didn't hit this week. But I think she put out, like, a real heartfelt apology because she thought the fans were going to shit on her, and, and they didn't. You know, by the end of the match, they were clearly on her side, and even on Raw the, the following night on her side. Um, to a big extent, and, and hopefully that confidence build, like boost, helps her uh, build promos, helps her feel more confident about what she's saying and what she's doing in the ring. And I think that she can be a big star. I think they don't need to push her too fast uh, because fans will immediately pick up on that. But if they're going to have Stephanie start hiring guns to go after her, which is the storyline I think they're going to go with, similar to like uh, Bobby Heenan, um, Hulk Hogan for instance, where Bobby Heenan's going out and finding whoever he can find to take down Hulk Hogan. You know, like uh, Andre the Giant, for instance, uh, to take down the, the Hulkster. I think that's kind of a cool concept. Uh, it's a, it's definitely an old-school wrestling thing, but it makes sense with Stephanie McMahon's character. Uh, makes sense with, uh, you know, her broken arm, so to speak. And uh, it makes you want 
Ronda to win because, like, no one – I mean, Stephanie is – she's definitely still considered one of the top heels in that company, I would think, especially after what she's done to, you know, the different general managers. So, you know, I really enjoyed the match. I thought it was a fun spectacle match. I think it went a little long because it took away time from some other matches I would have liked to have seen more from. But at the end of the night, you know, my wife was super excited about Ronda Rousey. Like, people who aren't – you know, my wife's a wrestling fan, but she's not a huge wrestling fan. Um, but she was super excited about seeing Ronda Rousey beat Triple H's ass. You know, like, that was fun. It was a fun moment. It was fun seeing Triple H sell to Ronda. Um, as far as Stephanie McMahon being able to hold that lock, I think people forget that Stephanie McMahon is a workout alcoholic, and she's in really, really great shape herself. Like, if you look at, like, women's fitness and stuff, some of the covers and shit she's done on that, like, she's she could clasp her hands and keep Ronda Rousey from <laughs> pulling her arms apart. I'm not going to say that that's that's – highly unlikely it's not like braun Strowman flipping an ambulance which is awesome but <laughs> ridiculous um especially if you think of fight or flight like your body isn't able to do incredible stuff if you think your arm's about to get broken <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, uh, i didn't have as big of a problem with that as some other people well let's let's actually go into what happened on monday night so stephanie came out she got a promo she her arm was in a sling uh, basically saying, you know, that she apologized for under, uh, basically for insulting Ronda, trying to build up their friends, and she was going to introduce Ronda Rousey. Ronda comes out, and she's got that big smile on her face that I thought might hurt her, but now the fact that she can flip that smile and look so happy to looking so just insanely pissed, I think is actually a good quality. Ronda comes in. Stephanie goes to embrace her. Ronda embraces her, gives her a hug. Then looks at her, smile drops. Stephanie has fear. She puts Stephanie's arm on her shoulder, throws her over, puts in her arm bar, and starts fucking with her in the ring, uh, which is one thing. Ronda might not be that good at the mic, but I think she has potential. But when she's talking shit in the ring, she's actually good at that. She's probably naturally from where she comes from. But she's like, she's like, do you want me to break it? Do you want me to do it? Do you want me to do it? And she's like, time! And she just went back. And, you know, Stephanie's tapping out, you know, insinuating that she probably broke her arm if it wasn't already messed up. Uh, Corey Graves is selling it so good. Like, I don't want to watch that. That's, that's, that's the commissioner of our company. Like, what's wrong with you guys? And later on when they're trying to, like, show the replays, you know, he's getting mad. I love Corey Graves. One of the best commentators in WWE for sure, especially heel commentator. Uh, but, Chris, how did you like that Monday night segment? I thought that was a great way to start off Raw and help out Ronda Rousey's uh, development as a character. I wasn't super stoked about it being the start of the, the night, but I really liked where it went. I think it helped develop her character. I just, the starting with talking on any Monday night Raw, I'm just done with. Uh, but outside done. of that, like, yeah, yeah, it, it made a lot of sense for her character. I thought it was really fun. I do think that she if she hasn't already, the person they need to put her with uh, is Samoa Joe. Like, channel your Samoa Joe. Be that ultimate badass. Uh, and then have her back Stephanie into a corner like he did Paul Heyman. Like, obviously, Samoa Joe is one of the best, but if you want if you want to channel someone in your company that's able to pull that off, face or heel, just being a complete absolute monster, I think that's a good person to just stick her with and, and pick the brain of Samoa Joe and how he cuts promos because, like, just go back to him and uh, cornering Paul Heyman. 
and the way he talked about yeah. what he was going to do to Brock Lesnar, or even when he showed up on Raw that night. <laughs> Something to pull that was from. a great promo against Roman. <laughs> <laughs> yes, like it's God, like so sometimes. Awesome. Some, I mean, obviously, Rowdy Ronda Rousey is great, and she can channel some Rowdy like Roddy Piper stuff. But you got to remember, like Rowdy's thing That's was kind of he was kind mind. of a lunatic, so he would he would snap in and out. So he would go from being ha ha funny guy to cracking a fucking coconut over Jimmy Snuka's head, like. So if she's gonna go for both, if she's gonna go for that thing and also be a dominant force, I would say channel the dominant force first and then figure out the funny part later, uh, because the fans will love to see her just break people's arms. Um, I, I think it's cool. well. I, I I like the segment. Well, you know, and and that's the thing is like Chel Sonnen was talking about it on Jericho. Um, and he said that he would love to help Ronda Rousey develop more of a uh, personality because obviously, even though he's a UFC guy, MMA guy, the guy is like so Piper, it's ridiculous. Just specifically for that type of nature and just so good on the mic. I think if him and McGregor, no one touches them. Maybe Bisping, Michael Bisping, uh, as far as cutting a promo, cutting it like a wrestler, and also completely destroying the person you're about to go against and pissing them off in real life. Uh, and um, But then again, he also completely diminished her ability in the MMA, saying that she was good for the time period of not a lot of good uh, MMA fighters, which I guess you could think about it that way, and I'm not trying to go into an MMA direction. But I think Ronda is, even if, even if the division has, and I mean that's going to happen over time, gotten better over at UFC for the women's division, she still did so much for women's sports as far as wrestling, and MMA of getting exposure and getting it, you know, popular in the limelight. So Rhonda's great. Happy to have her. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll continue going. Uh, I, I have one follow-up about the UFC yeah, thing. And the, the actual answer to that is who gives a shit? She's a gold medalist. Like how many people have that accomplishment? Like, That's a very good okay, point. Cool. Judo. She, she was a gold medalist in judo. She's UFC women's champion, even if it was before the division was built in the manner it was built in. Like, fuck off. Like, that's like that's how many like gold medals? Does... All right. <laughs> well, you know, that's like, that's like discrediting some of the guys at the beginning. Like, Royce Gracie was one of the first UFC fighters, and he's probably one of the best fighters, you know, of all of them, period. And the guy was like 215. Uh, and one of the best martial arts of all time at the beginning of the UFC. Ken Shamrock, another one. You're saying that he can't stack up? I don't know. It's a lot of stuff, and I haven't been involved in MMA uh, knowing statistics in a very long time, but I love Chael Sonnen. I think he's great. He talks a lot of shit, but he did offer that, and I know she's also good friends with McGregor. She's also good friends with a lot of wrestlers now, so there's plenty of people, like you said, Samoa Joe, Kurt Angle, Who's taking under uh, his wing? Uh, also, Charlotte and friggin' Natalia. Not the best women on the mic, per se, but you can find some. Um, and I think she's going to do great once she gets over that little hump. Her wrestling was what was scaring me. Not her get, you know, her not being able to talk, getting nervous in front of crowds. I kind of expected that. She proved to me that she can actually get in the ring and put on a good match and tell a good story. That's what I was worried about the most. Uh, all right, so SmackDown Tag Team Championship match. The Bludgeon Brothers defeated the Usos in the New Day. 
Uh, Usos were champions going in. The Bludgeon Brothers won the SmackDown Tag Team Champions with a killer bomb off the second row to Kofi Kingston. This match needed more time. Just a little bit, maybe five, oh God, ten minutes more. Maybe cut off the next segment we're about to go into because it was long and for no fucking reason. Uh, so these guys could have flushed this match out a little bit more because you have a lot of freaking talent in there. Uh, the fact that Rowan's the less talented out of all of them, I mean, it's not saying – I mean, that's just because of who the hell he's in the ring with. Luke Harper is one of the best big men in the WWE. And then you have the Usos and the friggin' New Day. I mean, the match just didn't really stick with me. I thought it was fine. I knew the Bludgeon Brothers are going to win. This is one of those only matches that the predictability of what I thought – you know, what I perceived beforehand actually ended up happening. Uh, Chris, how did you feel about this match? I felt terrible. I still wanted the Usos to win. Um, being that it was a standard tag team match, and then they were like, oh, yeah, well, it's triple threat, so <laughs> no DQ. You're like, the fuck? <laughs> I wish WWE would make up their mind on that shit. Um, but anyways, overall, the match did need more time, and I had actually picked this to be I think I said yeah. probably match of the night, and it was very underwhelming for the amount of talent they had. Um, and hopefully we get some good matches out of this. I, I really do think we will. Um, but I, I wanted Usos to hold that title and, and beat the New Day Street. I, I really did, because I, I thought that was more of an intriguing storyline than the Bludgeon Brothers getting it here and just feuding with probably the Usos. New Day will probably pop back to Raw. And then it gives Shelton and, and Gable a chance to step up is going to be my guess whenever they do the draft. But uh, I was underwhelmed by the match, I should say. But the Usos, uh, not the Usos, but the New Day's entrance with the pancake people and uh, <laughs> them mighty morphing at the beginning <laughs> wasn't a lot of fun. I forgot the there fucking was pancake people. Oh, my <laughs> God. <laughs> Uh, all right. So at least at least there was some entertainment going on. Yep. I love I love the new day. They're great. Alright, so next statement. Cena return in the ring, his music starts. We're like, alright, well I guess this is happening. Goes down to the ring. I think it's Charles Robinson runs out, let's whisper something in his ear. He gets all aggravated, starts going back up the ramp, lights go out. Everyone thinks Undertaker. Lights go back on. It's Elias instead of The Undertaker. Uh, he starts making a song, talking crap about the fans. It was a lot of fun. Don't get me wrong. Uh, you got attacked by John Cena and then thrown into an adamant, or, uh, attitude adjustment. Then leaves, gets up halfway, and lights go out. Spotlight on the ring on The Undertaker's hat and jacket from WrestleMania the year previous to that. All of a sudden, two lightning bolts hit it. Lights go off again, and Undertaker comes out. Uh, John Cena, literally, a little bit overacting, but I actually, he was show- The fact that he's faced Undertaker in the past, the fact that, you know, they've interacted. He's never been this scared of him beforehand, but now it's like, oh, my God. He, it, it was a little bit over the top, I'll admit. But he backs up down the ramp, goes back into the ring, gets in the ring, um, there was actually a really cool spot where John Cena was getting some offense. Uh, he got him with his usual thing, two shoulder blocks, went for the five-knuckle shuffle, went back, 
Undertaker slung up, and then Chelsea was like, good God, and, like, backed up and, like, you know, got the hell out of the ring real quick. It was basically a squash match. Uh, Undertaker defeated John Cena, and I think it was, like, less than eight minutes. Um, Undertaker looked strong as hell. Uh, for the first time in a long time, he was able to do uh, the uh, old school off the ropes. Uh, so, obviously, the hip replacement surgery helped him out. He looked in tremendous shape. Um, Chris, how do you feel about the squash match? And then follow-up, how do you feel about the fact that we're going to be seeing Undertaker probably now that he has a Rusev or a match with Rusev um, at the Greatest Royal Rumble? We're going to see him probably wrestle, you know, the next couple events. And I'm, I'm assuming what they're doing is leading up to next WrestleMania, him and John Cena, John Cena, three strikes, you're out, retires the Undertaker. But this is his last hurrah. He apparently is in great shape uh, and working, and he looked pretty damn good in the ring. Can't do too much. It's kind of like Andre on his last tail, but I don't think Undertaker's in this much pain. But, I mean, th- think about all the, all, all the, uh, the match we can get, you know, uh, at pay-per-views and stuff like that from here until next WrestleMania, if this is actually possible. Uh my dream of seeing him against Aleister Black or having some type of interaction is not as crazy as it once was, basically. How did you like this, and are you okay with Undertaker both squashing John Cena and proceeding his career going forward? Well, I mean, going into the match, I wanted Undertaker to win. I, I, I didn't feel like the match really did anything for either of them because I didn't think it was going to be a squash match. With it being a squash match, it does build to the Undertaker lore and character and means more for booking going forward. I'm assuming that he's he's probably not going to squash Rusev in the same way that he did John Cena. They're, prob- they're going to have a little more time to work. Um, I could be completely wrong. He might beat Rusev in 10 seconds. I have no idea. It just depends on what they want to go with. Uh, but that being it, the fact that it's a casket match, usually those tend to run a little bit longer. Um, so I'm expecting Rusev to get a little bit of offense in, in some in some way, and, and I'm fine with it. If if it's building to Undertaker John Cena again, I think they have a long way to go with John Cena to get him to be the heel that he needs to be. Because I don't think you're going to be able to turn Undertaker heel. Um, I. Th- it would be really hard. It'd be really, really fucking hard to do. Unless like Matt Hardy throws him into the Lake of Reincarnation and the opposite of Bray Wyatt happens. You get full ministry undertaker and then naked minion shows up and starts running around again. Um, oh, you ruined it. <laughs> you get what I'm saying. Uh, it's interesting, but you know, undertaker looked in much better shape. I thought for what he was doing in the ring, I thought it was fine. Um, Kind of what I've ex- I I didn't expect a squash, but I did expect Undertaker to win, uh, just because John Cena is going to go film some movies. He's got that Duke Nukem coming up, so he's going to be a busy dude. He's got that Duke Nukem money. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! All right, I'll hold on. All right, so the next match was a match I think a lot of us were looking forward to: uh, the return of Daniel Bryan in the ring. Uh, him and Shane McMahon went against uh, KO and Sami Zayn. Um, right at the beginning, uh, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens go and attack Daniel Bryan outside the match, give him a hell of a kick, or halluva, I'm sorry, hell of a kick, and then also give him a powerbomb on the apron, taking him out of the match for a good chunk, which kind of sucked, honestly. 
But that was fine. That was a story they were telling. I don't know if Kevin Owens, since he's been working with Shane so much, pulled him aside and just was like, look, it's not going – I'll be fine. Hit me harder than you normally hit him. But he was laying into those – even those stupid, rabid punches that he can't do, he looked like he was laying them into KO a lot more. So that, I, I definitely noted that because that's something that never happens. At one point he puts uh, Sami Zayn – uh, in the corner, props him up upside down, does the, uh, uh, man, what's Rob Dam- Van Dam, the Van Daminator, uh, without a trash can or chair, I should say, Chris. Um, but Daniel Bryan finally gets in, starts going ape shit. swear, from watching a lot of his matches recently, uh, you know, and seeing the stuff I saw in the past, the man hasn't lost a beat. Um, you know, it's it's very similar to like when Sean came back, when you were like, wow, he's able to, he's still able to go at it. And this is kind of him, you know, testing the waters, if you will. And what we saw on SmackDown, which is a follow up question, Chris, uh, outside the ending because we'll do that separately, uh, leading up to the match with AJ and Shinsuke. How did you like seeing Daniel Bryan in this match? How did you feel about this match? And then how did you love seeing? The, the small little taste that we got of AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan uh, right after that on SmackDown last night. Or, I, I think you made a good op- I think you made a good observation about Shane McMahon laying punches into uh, Kevin Owens because when he would punch Sami Zayn, it was completely ridiculous in comparison. <laughs> so I think you might have made a good. Uh, a good call there because I've watched this match twice because I was excited about Daniel Bryan being back. Um, I thought it started out good. I think Daniel Bryan was down for a little longer than I would have liked, especially because it drew the match out. Um, But the good guys won. It was fun. I still didn't buy Shane McMahon as a good guy. I didn't buy Daniel Bryan helping Shane McMahon in any shape or form. Uh, the problems I had with the storyline going into the match were the same problems I had within the match itself. I think the in-ring work between Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, even Shane McMahon and Daniel Bryan was fine. Um, I like they played into right off the bat uh, the, the the power bomb on the apron uh, that Daniel Bryan had just received, I believe, the week, well, that week, right? Or either that week or the week prior, headed into WrestleMania. Uh, it played off the emotions of like, oh man, Daniel Bryan could be really messed up uh, because you know what happened to Sami Zayn, even though, you know, obviously it was a work, but that's how Kevin Owens took out Sami Zayn. That's how he took out Chris Jericho. So Daniel Bryan taking two of those and coming back at the end of the match was, was one of those historical wrestling things they normally don't do in WWE where they do a callback. And I did appreciate that at the beginning of the match. And uh, overall, I enjoyed the match. It was great seeing Daniel Bryan back in there. Obviously, you know, he didn't lose a step, but he was only doing his signature spots. So it'll be interesting to see yeah. how he starts to match out, how he sells for a long period of time, how, you know, all of the small things in wrestling that kind of get overlooked outside of, I don't want to say five moves of doom, so to speak, but outside of like, you know, a uh, big boot, body slam, leg drop, you know what I mean? Like whatever the signature spots are, how is he going to do outside of that in a full match? And I think that's the Daniel Bryan I wanted to see and him being tethered to Shane McMahon. 
uh, was not what I wanted to see specifically with the storyline they built to. I understand why it happened the way it did, but uh, it was still frustrating. But uh, it was great to see him back in the ring. Thought he looked pretty damn good. He's in, I think he's in better shape than even he was last time, uh, you know, fitness-wise, body-wise, at least. Uh, but yeah, man, great. I, I thought it was a fun match, and I, I think it was a good moment for the crowd to see Daniel Bryan get, a, you know, the LaBelle lock hooked in. So it'll be interesting. I didn't like the follow-up on Raw with uh, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, which if we get to, I guess we'll talk but we'll talk about. But, uh, yeah. And were you were you pleased with the AJ uh, Daniel Bryan match on SmackDown last night? Yeah, uh, not really. I was okay with it. You're crazy. That's a small portion, and you just can't even be satisfied with it, Chris. <laughs> I mean, I know, yeah. but <laughs> I just I, I I ask too much sometimes. You want you want the main but course. I, Don't worry, we're, it looks like we're gonna get that inside of sushi with a match coming up soon. Um, <laughs> I mean, if that's the match and it's a pay per view match, I'm fucking down. That sounds awesome. Yes, 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 <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> All right, Raw Women's Championship. Nia Jax defeated Alexa Bliss, who was a champion. Jax won with a Samoan drop off the second rope to become the new Raw Women's Champion. Uh, right away, she just took out Mickey James. She was not going to be a problem. She won the match. Um, there are a couple times I, I, I noted uh, what you were saying about it since I went back and rewatched this match. Where Nia seems like she's a little bit scary, doesn't remember that Alexa's like, you know, a buck. Um, but then again, uh, some of it looked like maybe it just rolled off. I don't know. It's very hard with wrestling. Sometimes it looks like it's devastating. And then if you watch it a couple of times, you're like, Oh, okay, never mind. That wasn't that bad. Kenny just hit him right in the chest. Didn't really actually hit him right in the face. Um, but yeah, I'm happy that Nia Jax is now the champion, the whole baby face turn. I like that. She's a good role model, uh, for women out there. I find her to be a beautiful woman. And, uh, I think I liked I liked the uh, how happy she looked uh, the next night when she came and everyone gave her such you know uh, wonderful uh, ovation if you will and how, how did you like the match Chris I, I just enjoyed Nia Jax finally getting a title win um, and I think it's a good thing that they took the title off Alexa Bliss I, I think she's held it for too long uh, they drugged the Sasha. Uh, Bailey story out too long. Alexa Bliss didn't really have any true competition. The championship was overshadowed by a few that didn't matter. And I think they built to, you know, Nia Jax versus Alexa Bliss as good as they could. Nice for Nia Jax to get the championship. Now let's see where they go. Um, I still have... Nia Jax is still scary against people that are smaller than her. And um, what I mean about that is not like a Dana Brooke or a Mickey James or like a Natalia Hart, but you know, like, not even Bailey, but, like, uh, the matches that she has where she wrestles Sasha or she wrestles Alexa Bliss, I, I, it, at some point, it's like she doesn't realize her own strength. Um, and there was a couple spots in that match that, even after watching it, I did watch it again because I did criticize it. Uh, they were a little scary, and I don't think they were Alexa Bliss's fault. Uh but Nia's getting better. She's way better than she was when we were talking about this a year ago. Let's put it that way. When she, when she, I mean, she did drop, literally drop 
Charlotte on her head like a year ago um, around this time. So my complaints have went down. I think she's working hard to get better. I think the storyline she's in is good. I think she can be a good champion. She's obviously going to be a transitional champion for either Asuka or uh, eventually Ronda Rousey. But for right now, I think that she's kind of what the division needs because you can play that no one can beat Nia. That builds the storyline up for everything else going underneath it. And then your main storyline is still Bailey versus Sasha, which is what they want. Unless they separate them, which I really don't think they're going to do. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the match itself I thought was pretty decent. There were some scary spots, like I said, but I, I don't – I need to go back and watch it, I guess, a third time. Because I, I trust your opinion, maybe I should maybe I should give it a third watch. Just Alexa Bliss is is very small, and and she was giving her body up to Nia in a way that I thought Nia kind of didn't respect in certain spots. I guess I should say. Absolutely. No, I mean, like I said, there are some times where it's like, ugh, but you would think that they're since they're actually best friends in real life that they probably worked on this stuff. But yeah, I think that in the moment. She forgets that she's throwing around it, you know, a feather for her. So uh, let's go on to the next match. The match that I think everyone was assuming, and it's not – honestly, I'm not going to blame the fans. It's this, it's this way that WWE just does things where they have to, like, like pointing to the WWE uh, or to WrestleMania, you know, to let everyone know, that's WrestleMania. That's what we're doing. Or, or letting uh, people know Survivor Series, the only night – where both brands can go to head and head, blah, 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 that Michael Cole said over and over again, I hear my fucking dreams. You know, much like that, they said that this is the dream match, that this is going to be basically the match of the night, and it wasn't. Uh, that I don't think, you know, for the World Heavyweight Championship between AJ Styles, who retained the title against Shinsuke Nakamura, I thought it was a pretty damn good match. It needed some extra time since they hyped it up for being such a huge match. And then... You have the marks that are outside WWE that know about Wrestle Kingdom that wanted it, it to be better than that. And I'm sorry, like, when it comes to series of matches, I might be crazy, but to me, the first match between Ricky and, and Rick is the best one in Chinatown Rumble. To me, the first interaction between Kenny and Okada is the most iconic. And to me, it's hard uh... to beat the first movie. It's hard to beat the first movie. I'm sorry. There's times where a dark night will come out and be better than the first one. But that's very, very friggin' hard. If they were given more time and it wasn't so much pressure on it being the best match, it might have been. And people might have not have been like looking at it through a microscope. But I did not think this match was bad. And the ending of it was awesome. It, it, it adds so much layers to Nakamura. And then Nakamura, you know, uh, the, the way that he was acting at SmackDown with the interview with Renee, how he was like so insincere about everything he was saying. And then at the end of it, just over enunciating, you know, basically a stereotype of how they say, I can't speak English, like making sure he said it like that, coming out at the end, and then, uh, you know, giving our beloved Daniel Bryan a Kinshasa to the back of the head, which if anyone's worried, go back, watch it. He barely nicks him, and then gives one to AJ Styles. He's going to be going against AJ Styles at the Greatest Royal Rumble. I think the heel turn, the fact that he still gets that cocky in the way he is, and I've seen him as a heel in previous matches when he was a part of New Japan, it's, I think it's going to add a lot to him. 
uh, overall. I don't think the match was dog shit at all. Like, a lot of people are like, oh, these are supposed to be best wrestlers. Just shut the fuck up. My God. Like, especially AJ, he is one of the best wrestlers. Um, like I said, I, I, like, it was not as good as Wrestle Kingdom 11. I, or, yeah, it was 11. No, it was 9. I don't know. It wasn't as good as that match. But I still think it was a damn good match. Some people might say that it's like a really good Raw match or a SmackDown match. I don't agree with that. Maybe it wasn't Mania standard, but it's still like a normal pay-per-view to me where I'd be like, damn. But the lack of time, like I said, was because they had to have Elias come out for a concert when he should have hosted the fucking thing and have much smaller segments and gotten right to the point between The Undertaker and John Cena. Stuff like that did not need to be a part of it. If we got a fucking flow rider performance, my head would have exploded. Chris, how'd you feel about the match? So right off the bat, what I'll say about this match is what I've said since Nakamura came to to, to Maine. Nakamura is not the same Nakamura he was five years ago. Stop expecting it. It doesn't matter if you put him in the ring against AJ Styles or if you put him in the ring against Dolph Ziggler. He's not Nakamura from five years ago. It's just not that. He had one great match with Sami Zayn in NXT. It was his first night there. They went all out. That's the best match he's had in WWE. If you're expecting to get AJ Styles versus Nakamura at Wrestle Kingdom, I don't see it happening. I really don't. And that's nothing against Nakamura. He's just older and his body is broken down. And I don't, I don't think he has that same level. Granted, if they had more time, you could have done a lot more. There's a lot more uh, in-ring psychology you could do. Uh, the NXT match with Sami Zayn benefited from that. They did have more time. They had almost 30 minutes during that match. But Nakamura, since he's been on main, hasn't done anything that really wowed me. And I don't hear anyone saying that he's the best wrestler in the world right now. AJ Styles definitely is. AJ Styles, you give him 20 minutes with John Cena, he's going to give you one hell of a fucking match. He's proved it. He proved it with John Cena three times. AJ Styles will put on a good match with whoever he's wrestling if you give him the time. Shane McMahon, that match was 20-plus minutes. Um, so, yes, it was hurt from time. I also don't think Nakamura is the same guy that he was five years ago, and I don't think AJ Styles is the same guy he was five years ago. And in that match, they beat the ever-loving shit out of each other, and they're work, working a different style. WWE style is different. You're not going to get the same match. So if anyone has that in their mind, that they're going to get that same kind of match out of those two, Go ahead and push it far out. You could get something different that's just as good given the right amount of time and the right amount of circumstances and, and an actual, you know, a really good build. You could get a really good match out of the two. I'm not saying Nakamura is bad in the ring. I'm just saying that to have that high of an expectation for a match that many years apart uh, with two guys that haven't wrestled each other in a really long time uh, as far as like a full singles match, I, I think you're asking a lot. I think it's a lofty goal. I thought the match was okay. I did expect a little bit more, um, but I really did like the Nakamura Hill turn because I don't think the fans are fully behind Nakamura. I think they like singing his song, but I don't necessarily know that they're behind him in the same way they were behind him in NXT. Um, and when AJ Styles is like, you know, saying that he is the face of SmackDown, right now he is the face of SmackDown. I think he's the biggest wrestler on their roster. Uh, obviously, with Daniel Bryan be there, being there, that changes things a little bit. But, I mean, that's how I felt about the match. I've been saying it about Nakamura for a while. 
I think he kind of is going through the motions on Maine. I don't, I don't think he's giving – he's not giving the same level that he gave the first night he was on NXT. Let's just say that. I agree. I completely agree. I mean, if you look at it, I don't think he's as bad as Stone Cold, but you sometimes due to injury, due to age, due to whatnot, your your style has to be limited, especially if you go balls to the wall at the beginning of your career. Um, and I think that will. I think that, like I said, if they got a longer match, it would have been a hell of a lot more. I think that people hyped it up, but it was partially doubled. WWE uh, for hyping it up that way and not giving enough time. And also for the fans of wrestling that like me and you that expected it to succeed wrestling kingdom just automatically because it's the next time these guys face. Uh, all right, let's go on to the second to last match. We had Braun Strowman come out. Well, the bar came out first on a float. Mardi Gras hell really kind of weird that they're on there. Uh, they leave their float. Braun comes out. Takes the float, chucks it, destroys it, of course, scares off all the people that were on it, and, uh, you know, starts teasing that he's going to find someone. Uh, Taz thought that Hulk Hogan was going to be the person, which is who I was, like, hoping in a million years would somehow – that obviously did not happen. I thought the Big Show was going to come out since he came was in the uh, Battle Royal. Big Show was not. That happened. Mark Henry. Nope. What Strowman did is he went through the audience, and I was like, John Cena's not sitting down in the audience anymore. Does he know that? You know, he already fought The Undertaker. What's, what's going on? Um, and Nicholas, who ends up, he's a 10-year-old, who's one of the referee's sons. Uh, I don't know, Chris, if this had to do with the fact that uh, there were so many rumors that Ray was supposed to be a part of it, then he got injured, Batista was, and then he fell through. Uh, they were trying to save a lot of other guys for call or for the Raw Mania, like Bobby Lashley and, and such, that they ended up just going with a 10-year-old child um, instead named Nicholas. Nicholas is over shit, though. So throughout the match, there was one part where he got tagged in really awkwardly where everyone was laid out, and then he made another tag, and Braun went in there, beat the shit out of everyone. Uh, very physical match. Cesaro looked great. Sheamus looked Irish. Um, and Braun pinned and won the tag titles by himself, basically, which is what I thought he was going to do, but they added a little flavor to it. Still doesn't make the tag division look good. I understand we're getting a shake-up, so a lot of things are about to change. Uh, the next night, uh, they had to relinquish one of the funniest segments. One thing that's pissed me off, too, is, is people are like, Braun's supposed to be your next Brock Lesnar, your, your next Undertaker. He's not supposed to be funny. Why? Because he's tall? No, that's not how I perceived him ever. He's been doing ridiculous shit the whole entire time. Like Stone Cold. Like, you know, and Stone Cold has a humor. Like, that's kind of who I embody him. He's still a badass. And he's still con- but he has so much personality. You know, it, it, I thought that segment with, when him and Nicholas were talking, he's like, yeah, he's got prior engagements. He's in the fourth grade. And I, I thought it was hilarious, especially when Nicholas was like, and when I get done summer, they're going to have to come get these hands. Like, that was funny as shit. Now they're doing something with the tag division to give it a little jump start. Um, the way they're going about it, I don't agree because the bar's out, or not the bar, uh, the the club's out already. But uh, whatever, it was fine. Kind of silly. Braun Strowman should have been in this fucking main event. Okay, that's what it really just says. Especially we're gonna get to it and all the crazy bullshit I'm hearing from multiple sources 
about what happened with this whole entire thing. But how do you feel about Braun Strowman winning the tag team championships with Nicholas? And um, it was could funny, you possibly make but... him for? Can you can you possibly make Nicholas for me on uh, WWE 2K 18? <laughs> I'll try my best. I, I probably could, but uh, man, like. Fuck, fuck this match. Fuck the storyline. It was stupid. It buried your tag division. It was funny. I'll give them that. It was entertaining. But it doesn't do shit for your tag team division. And it really didn't do anything for Braun. We should have been in the main event to begin with. Um, but outside of that, like, I just don't like a single person winning tag titles. Uh, which is what happened. And uh, fucking hated it. Did you like the segment on uh, Raw leading up to it? Even though you hated it, was it a funny ending, if you will? It was a funny ig- ending to a bad idea. Yeah. Ugh. All right, well, let's get through this thing. And so me and you can really break this down with all the rumors and shit. Universal Championship match. Brock Lesnar defeated Roman Reigns. Reigns kicked out of five, yes, five F5s. Uh, but the six was one of them on the announce table. Um, but uh, six was able to put... Reigns down, Lester retains. Lester got, I think, three spears in a row. Oh, no, no, no. He had one spear and then, like, over the announce table and then followed up by two back-to-back in the ring. Um, so there is so much shit with this, Chris. I just think that we'll talk about our general thoughts of the match and then we'll go into all the rumors that Dave Metzler and all the other people are talking about that we're hearing um, involving a confrontation between Vince and Brock afterwards and and such, but um, I I didn't like this match. Obviously, uh, it fell apart. The fact that you have fucking WrestleMania as your main event, you've been building up this for a year, and people are are throwing a beach ball, and I don't even blame them. I'd be pissed too if I was there for this match. It was a joke. I felt bad for Roman. Uh, it just was bad. The elbows, you know, especially if Vince got pissed off about that. I really hope that they they went. Um, I hope that Roman said, yeah, you can cut me open, basically, if Vince was not pleased about that whole entire thing. Um, Because I went back and looked, and, like, if you stay and you watch – because at first I thought that it was fake, Chris, and then I kept on watching, and I'm like, it looks like it's gushing. Well, if you stay after they do, like, the big, like, rundown of everything, it goes to Roman, who's with his wife and his kid. Kid's crying. Family looks horrible. She's holding his hand. And blood's still, like, pouring out of his head. He's having to, like, wipe it off with a friggin' towel. I just... Ugh. How'd you like the match? Then we'll get into all the rumors. I mean, not to be the guy that said... Like, I mean, that shit did look fake as fuck. Whether it was or not. But, like, throughout that entire segment, that shit just looked gimmicked. <laughs> but, I mean, I could be wrong. Uh, the match itself was terrible. They just hit finish after finish. There was no actual wrestling... It was like, all right, here's some German suplexes. Okay, you you Superman punch me. Okay, Spear. All right, fucking F5. That was it. That was the entire match. Like, the match between Brock Lesnar and Goldberg made, like, this match made that shit look like a, a six-star fucking match. Put it that way. Um, this match was fucking awful. This is the worst match on the entire card. Like, go down, even the match before this that I completely hated because the storyline was still a better match than Brock Lesnar versus Roman. This was the worst match. I I, I'm not going to say worst match of all of the WrestleMania like, Mania weekend, but it's fucking up there. Like, it, 
it was pretty bad. Like, it was pretty bad, no, and the reason it was pretty bad is they didn't do anything. They didn't, they didn't do anything different than what they always do. This is why this match never was going to work, because Roman Reigns has 10 moves that he does well, and he's good when he works with someone else, and he can sell, and he looks like he's in danger. And they gave too much back and forth because they wanted Reigns to look good. And I feel like maybe right before they matched, they decided they didn't want to put it on Roman, or I have no idea. But, like, everything about, like, this should have been the match where you just put the fucking title on Roman if you're going to do it. Instead, you re-sign Lesnar, you have this shitty match, and it's going to leave a bad taste in everyone's mouth, and you're building back to this greatest Royal Rumble, or whatever, is going to be Roman and Lesnar in a cage. Like, that's going to make absolutely any difference. The reason you put people in a cage to begin with is because of outside interference. Like, just typical booking. Like, why the fuck are they in a cage? Like, I don't know. They, this this entire fucking thing sucks. It could have been highly avoided, <laughs> like, four months in advance. Not, I mean, I hate being the guy that shits on matches, because I'm generally not. I always try to find something positive. But everything about this match fucking sucked. A little like hot garbage. Which I think even in the chat box that we had going on during WrestleMania, I was like, that match was hot garbage. No, I I, I completely agree with you. That was... (sighs) All right, so I know some of this is true. I'm going to say the one thing that is not 100% that Dave's even saying is not 100%. Uh, There is a rumor going around that the one that makes more sense is the one that the outcome of this was changed like a couple days prior to this. He realized this wasn't going to work. Vince realized somehow that Brock was going to have to win. Uh, they worked out something with the UFC. That's why Dana White was able to say what he said. It actually wasn't a punch because he had an extension with the WWE for a certain amount more dates, and then he was going to go to UFC and was, was kosher. Um, so put the, 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 basically because Saudi Arabia likes Roman more, let him win there is what I'm hearing. There's rumors, and, I, and like I said, Dave Metzler saying that this might actually be the case. There's a lot of people saying this might be actually be the case, where the ref told Brock and Roman that at some point when the beach ball started happening, Vince was disgusted to himself, basically, that during his main event, WrestleMania, people are throwing beach balls around, like that's how bad it was, that Brock was going to win the damn thing, and told, told the ref, and halfway through the match, he went and told him. Uh, apparently, Brock Lesnar freaked the fuck out at Vince. Uh, he got pissed off at him because him and Roman put together something completely different, and Vince wanted him to stick to a certain format, very much what they did, and they went kind of out of their way to make it look that much more simplistic, if you will. They want, Apparently, Brock wanted to have much more of a shoot match like he had with AJ and be able to go back and forth with Roman a lot more and afterwards, he came back and, you know, said something to the extent of, you know, this is what you fucking wanted, threw the damn title at him, the universal title, threw it at Vince, said they fucking hated it, we looked stupid out there, blah, 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 started screaming at him. Vince came back, was, you never cleared with me to throw Roman over the German announce table, that hit one of the guys, he's pissed off about it, they had no idea about it, he didn't clear me that... You're going to cut open Roman. You know, you're getting fined for that. Blah, 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 back and forth, back and forth. I don't give a shit. 
a lot of anger, and uh, that's what we're hearing is that there that there were changes made last minute, even possibly during the match. And I don't think this is like Dave even said like this is not like the rumors where you heard that uh, Undertaker's match against Brock was out of nowhere and blah 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 blah. Um, so that's the case. That fucking sucks. Um, I get his his concept. If he did it really during the match, like, wow, I screwed up really bad. We've been telling you that for a long time. Roman doesn't have to be the top babyface in the company. He can be an Undertaker-like concept where he's known. He can be heel, babyface, whatever you want him to be at certain points and still be a main player, get the title. He doesn't have to be your John Cena. He doesn't have the charisma of John Cena. And you didn't show shit that he could do. You made him get his ass kicked like he did by Braun, like Samoa Joe. You basically made him get his ass kicked most of the damn year. Even though you made his spear devastating as hell, uh, I just thought it was just ridiculous. Just bad booking all around. Um, and the placement of the matches, man. Asuka and Charlotte should have, should have ended the night, I think. Uh, you could have had this match before all that, honestly. I think it would have been a lot better. Uh, put it where Ronda Rousey is. Um, I don't know. Just switch up certain matches. I, it's very frustrating. And to hear all this shit about people going back and forth, it's even more ridiculous. That you, If I was Triple H, like if it, apparently Shane, because Triple H wasn't around, had to get between Brock Lesnar and fucking his father, basically, getting in Brock's face. Which, I say, Shane has some freaking gonads to be able to do that. Um, I'm sure Paul Heyman was trying to calm down Brock with the confrontation that actually ended up happening. All I have to say is that if Chris Jericho was around, he probably would have put uh, Brock in a headlock. Um, that's, that's just because that's how Chris is, basically. I don't think he likes Brock. He wasn't happy about the blood that happened with Randy. He probably would go after him about that with doing hard way to, to Roman. And even though he gets pissed off at Vince, he has the utmost respect for him and would never talk to him like that in front of a bunch of people. So probably would have been bad if Chris was there. I'm just assuming. Uh, speaking about Chris, Chris, what did you think about all these rumors that we're hearing of last-minute changes and, and the confirmation that Brock went off on Vince and they both had a huge screaming contest after the match? If, if, that's what's happen- if that's what happened is they highly scripted the match, then decided to change it mid-match, and they basically made Brock Lesnar look like an idiot when he's been your champion for so long. Granted, he does, he's not super passionate about wrestling. Um, he doesn't want to look like an idiot. He doesn't want people throwing a fucking beach ball during his matches after he's had so many good matches throughout his career. He had every right to be fucking pissed off. Um, I don't think he should have. I mean, if he really did shoot, bust open Roman Reigns, uh, which I still debate. I whatever, what, that shit didn't look realistic to me at all, but whatever, I could be wrong, maybe Roman bleeds Kool-Aid, um, <laughs> anyways, if that's the case, if I'm Brock Lesnar, I'm pissed too, like, who wouldn't be pissed, you remember when, when Roman won, you, you figured Vince would know this, when Roman won the Royal Rumble, and they sent Rock out there to raise his hand, it was supposed to be this big special moment, and people shit all over it and started chanting Rusev. Like, at some point, you just have to get it. It's not, the way you're trying to do it is not going to work. Um, and just giving the fans that is, yes, we're going to send them home happy, 
at WrestleMania, like, hey, at least Roman didn't win. You still gave him a bullshit match, and you managed to piss off Brock Lesnar. Um, obviously not too pissed off if he re-signed the contract. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. The entire situation k- kind of felt like story angle. Uh, but, I mean, with Meltzer and all these people coming out and saying that it was kind of a shoot, maybe it was. I don't know. But, I mean, if I was Brock Lesnar and they changed my shit in the middle of, middle of the match and people didn't care about it to begin with and everyone fucking hated it, and maybe he's been telling Vince that everyone would hate it to begin with, uh, yeah, yeah, he has the right to yell at his boss. Like, what's he going to do, fire Brock Lesnar? Brock Lesnar didn't give a shit. Yeah, that's a good point. I think the only shoot part, I mean, besides him yelling at Vince, like the elbows, I'm assuming that if him and Roman, that might have been discussed. I, If you're going to do that, that's the same thing with Randy Orton, because I've heard Randy Orton say in interviews, apparently I gave him permission, but I never said that. Um, so I'm assuming that you would run that through with Roman, like, hey, can I split you open at some point to, you know, maybe some color would add to it or some shit, but I don't know. Regardless, um, even if the blood the way real, the way it the, yeah just the way it trickled down and the way it looked I've seen lots of people get busted open in wrestling matches he didn't look like he was laying those elbows in that hard I'm just that part of it seemed like just complete utter bullshit that may have been part of the reason Brock was fucking pissed I, I know they showed him afterwards could but be like even afterwards the way the color looked. At, on the mat, it just I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I've seen like Flare Blade, Terry I'm not, Funk I'm not, Blade. I'm, I'm not. I'm not really having trying to. You know, to, I, I, you you could be right. I have no idea. From what a lot of people are saying, though, he did get busted open. So I'm gonna go by obviously whatever the fuck. Some I, when I watched it at the end, I don't know why it would still be going off after the match when they just go back to him and he's like, you know, brushing off blood that keeps on coming out. If you get enough, if you got one of those elbows that just slice you good enough and it's deep enough, I mean, it's going to be a gusher. I've seen fucking Rick, you know, bleed like a stuffed pig everywhere. So, I mean, yeah, um, I would, I think that if they, if they were going to do that though, they would have the follow-up Twitter of all the staples that has had, like they do with every other wrestler they get busted open. Like they did with Randy Orton, like they did with uh, Cesaro's teeth. Like they did with uh, Matt Hardy with the latter spot. <laughs> like they're gonna try to make Roman Reigns look good up. coming out of it. Yeah. Well, let's go over some extra stuff uh, that happened on Raw and SmackDown before we go into NXT. Um, just quick things. Uh, so the shakeups next week, Chris. Um, the only people that I'm gonna make an assumption, and this is I don't know. I could see. I could honestly see the New Day, them doing something different where Xavier and Kofi stay on SmackDown and try to do Big E in a singles run on Raw. Possibility. I could see the whole club going SmackDown. I don't really know about the women's division. Uh, I think that certain feuds that you see, unless the title goes to another place, they're going to stay where they're at. Um, I don't think you're going to see Charlotte leave where Carmella is, where, you know, that whole situation is. That That's going to stay. Uh, but Jacob's next week. It gives us another uh, thing to look forward to. Uh, hopefully, they can keep up the ratings and the entertainment after that. But are you are you excited about the shakeup, Chris? I am. I thought it was really weird that uh, Sammy and Kevin Owens didn't get hired by Raw just to immediately get drafted back to SmackDown. 
or something weird like that. Well, that's that's um, actually one of my next things, and that's, that kind of coincides with this, so we can kind of knock it out. But Sammy and KO, they have no home. Uh, they contest SmackDown. Uh, they had a, a great match, you know, the same match that they usually produce, but at the end of it, uh, both of them were counted out. Uh, so do you think this, this means we, we could see El Generico and maybe something like that? Maybe they go to NXT. I mean, we've talked about this. It seems like they could be doing some different things with two of these guys. If it was me, I'd have them lay low for a while, and then all of a sudden El Generico shows up on NXT or some shit like that in the match. Yeah, I would have done the same thing. I wouldn't have had them show up on Raw the very next night, like kind of begging for a job. Uh, you got a good match out of it, but I don't know if it was worth it long term. Uh, as far as shake no. up, I mean, I think that you're going to, you know, Nakamura is obviously sticking with AJ Styles. AJ Styles is sticking with SmackDown. Um, you could get a transfer of women champions. You could get Carmella going to Raw and Nia going to SmackDown and Asuka, I guess, going to SmackDown because I guess she's still part of the Raw roster, as far as I know. I don't, I don't know how that works. I don't know where John Cena falls in because he's a free agent, so to speak, I guess, which still abs- makes absolutely no sense. Um, the interesting characters are the big casses of the world. Um, I think Samoa Joe is obviously going to stick around on Raw. I think you could see the U.S. title and the Intercontinental title swap again. Which would be interesting. Uh, get you out of Randy Orton versus gender, and you get Randy Orton versus uh, Seth Rollins instead, which I think is more intriguing. Uh, they they've had some good matches in the past, and then you have gender, you know, as U.S. champion or whatever on Raw, if they want to go that route. Uh, I think you're going to see a lot of tag team swaps because I I think they'll probably put the New Day, or at least part of the New Day, like you said. It'd be interesting to see if they broke them up. Um, though I do think, well, like, Big E's great and all, but I still think Xavier Woods is the guy that should have the singles push if they're going to give it to anyone. I, I just think he has the most yeah. charisma. Uh, even if it's a mid-card run, I think that he would probably do more for the company. So, I mean, this, the shakeup's weird uh, this year. I kind of wish that the shakeup would be like, guess what? There's no shakeup. Um, but that's not going to happen. All right, well, let's talk about um, some new entries from NXT and then some returns, if you will. Uh, from NXT, we have Ember Moon, who showed up on Nia Jax, ended up, uh, whatchamacallit, pinning ex-champion Alexa Bliss in the ring. Thought she had a really good show up. AOP came out and destroyed Heath, Heath uh, Slater and Rhino. At the end of it, they let Paul Ellering know, we got this. Paul Ellering, if anyone's wondering, said he wouldn't go on the road, basically. He's going to go back to NXT, probably enhance some new talent, work with them. Um, it's kind of scary to have them without him, but, you know, if you get them in the in a match, possibly with the Bludgeon Brothers or other people, it's going to be a fun match, or even smaller guys, obviously, which they've always worked off well with DIY and, and so forth. Um, all seeing the revival in them be able to go back against each other. No Way Jose uh, had a conga line. That's all I really have to say about that. Uh, Jeff Hardy's back. Bobby Lashley's back. Walking Armageddon. Samoa Joe cut a promo on Roman Reigns, made him cry. Roman came out there all bitching about, Vince didn't tell me anything, and then all that crap. And then Samoa Joe just came out and destroyed him and let him know, hey, whoever wins, doesn't matter. Whatever happens between you and Brock, I'm going to be waiting, and I'm going to choke you out. Loved it. 
Um, and also, we still haven't. Alicia Fox hasn't come back. Big Cass hasn't come back. Don't really know exactly uh, what Cass is doing. At least Alicia Fox might be out because she got wasted and started a huge argument with uh, Ronda Rousey and her husband throughout the weekend. Saw part of that online. Good shit. Um, how did you feel about some of these call-ups? Do you think they handled them correctly? And were, do you think any of them were wasted? I think the Bobby Lashley one is interesting. I wouldn't say it's wasted, but it's interesting. I kind of would have started him in NXT first. Uh, but they have a plan for him, obviously. Uh, Jeff Hardy being back, I think, is probably the biggest deal here because it means the most to the Hardy family and what they're going to do on screen. Um, and obviously, I still think they see money in Jeff Hardy at the top. So I think Jeff Hardy could be the guy. The, the most interesting thing that came out of this was the Samoa Joe pro, promo. Vince, and maybe even the company, after that promo, sees that Samoa Joe is bigger than anyone that they can build in a quick amount of time to take that title um, if they're not going to give it to Braun. So I think leading, you know, I think this might lead to Joe finally getting the title that he actually deserves being, to me, the best worker on Raw, um, best promo on Raw, probably the guy most equipped to be the person with that belt. Uh, I would say Seth Rollins, but he's already the IC champ, so kind of took that option away from me. I really would have loved if it was Seth versus Brock at WrestleMania. I still think that scenario, him screwing over Reigns, that's how Reigns gets back to the title, would have been better. I think a lot of things would have been better. Um, all right, we got two more. Uh, two big things, actually. Uh, after the um, match with Absolution, taking out, extending actually the feud between uh, Bailey and Sasha, because Bailey ended up being the reason why Sasha lost. Uh, everyone leaves except for Paige. She gets in the ring and uh, lets everyone know she has to retire. Um, which there was a part last night before that when they were, she was actually guest ring announcing um, the Women's Battle Royal, and, and Michael Cole goes, yeah, you're, you're injured for right now, so maybe you can make this match next year. And he was, she was like, yep, maybe next year, Michael. Like, fuck off. Like, God, I don't know who feeds Cole his lines, but I want to punch them. And if it's him, I want to punch him. I don't care how creative on NXT he is. Um, but she retired, and it was really sad, um, kind of emotional part. Uh, but then on SmackDown, Shane McMahon announced that she was going to be the new general manager. Paige is amazing on the mic. She's got a lot of personality. I think this will be great for her. Um, it just, at the same time, though, Chris, I feel like this is like a – I don't know, um, getting on a drug to get you off of a drug, if you will. That's how Daniel Bryan seemed. Like, he liked, he loved it because he's still on the road, but it's, he still can't wrestle. So that I still thought about. But at the same time, I think she's going to be able to hold her own. Shane's probably leaving for a little while because he's having surgery. Um, I'm assuming he'll be gone for a minute. I think she can, she can hold the fort. I think we can have a lot of fun. And if she turns heel, it's a part of her, her, her personality, so that would even be more interesting. Were you happy to hear about this after her sad retirement on Raw? Her retirement did make me very sad. I think that she was a very, very bright star that had a huge future that obviously was cut short by injury. She's only 25 years old. I'm glad to hear that she's still part of WWE. Uh, very excited to see her as a general manager, and I think you're right. I, I think her heel persona... 
Um, or even if she doesn't go that route, could be very interesting either way. Uh, and less annoying than the A. Vicky Guerrero or Stephanie McMahon. So it's it's interesting. And I look forward to seeing what she's able to do. Uh, and obviously they had to do something with Daniel Bryan. And to me, at least this is a nod to someone, I think, uh, who has worked their ass off and kind of deserves at least a, a spot still in the WWE. If she's not going to be a manager, this is a good spot. I think the other place that you may have been able to place her is with AOP because I, I, I'm worried about them without a manager. Yep, that would be interesting. All right, and our last thing, Charlotte came out. Uh, she thanked everyone. I'm really – she's someone – her and Bobby Roode, I wish would go heel. I really do. I like Charlotte better as a heel, but either way. Charlotte comes out, she thanks everyone with the scripted promo about, you know, how she's trying to find the next person to make magic with, like she did with um, Asuka. And the Iconics, uh, who used to be the Iconic duo, of course, Vincent's got a, you know, he's got a, he's got a brand it a little bit. He renamed them the Iconics. Billy Kay and Peyton Royce from NXT make their call-up. And their in-ring stuff with Charlotte was a little bit sloppy, but I think they made it work because they're so verbal um, while they're in the ring. Um, like Carmella, who we'll talk about. Um, but the promo they had was awesome, and it really made me excited about the interaction they're going to have with um, Charlotte and also just in the division. Uh, they're strong on the mic, and they're both really good in the ring, especially Peyton Royce. Uh, she's one of my favorites. Uh, from NXT previous this last year up there with Nikki and, and Amber and all the women, actually. And uh, then Carmella came out, and she cashed in her money in the bank, and she won. And the Princess of Staten Island is now the champion of Raw, or of SmackDown Women's. Uh, so, yeah, there's that. A lot of craziness. How did you like the debut of the Iconics, their interaction with Charlotte, and then Charlotte losing her belt to Carmella shortly after it with a cash-in that for some reason Mike Chioda just could not figure out exactly what the hell was going on. Maybe maybe drug testing. <laughs> I don't know. He's on them, he's, he's on them sports-enhancing drugs, bro. Um, no, all jokes aside, I, I like the fact Carmella finally won the title. She needed to cash, cash it in. Obviously, you couldn't have two people on the same brand lose. Um, it made sense to introduce a new faction. My problem with this is there's two women factions on the same roster, and even if you split them, you have another women's faction on Raw already, and they haven't really done a good job of establishing either of them, uh, at least in my opinion, as far as establishing what I would consider a faction, right, like a uh, or a tag team. But um, it, they did the best they could with what they have. Uh, they could have put the title on Carmella way earlier, which would have been the smart thing to have Charlotte win it, but they didn't go that route. So Carmella winning here, I was completely fine with. And uh, It's cool to see her have the title. Uh, also, the people from Impractical Jokers, like Brian Quinn and, uh, God, the other dude, they popped really hard. They were in the front row, so that shit was hilarious because I think they're both from Staten Island. So... I was like kind of watching their reaction to her winning, which made it, you know, funny for me at least. Yeah, I'm going to look forward to seeing what they're going to do with this new changeup. All right, um, guys, uh, 
we're going to go over some of our favorite matches, but I'd love to be able to go over NXT's five matches um, in the next uh, 12 minutes. So we're going to do that. And then me and Chris are going to think about some of our favorite matches and kind of do that as one of the beginning segments next week. All right, NXT TakeOver, Chris. Definitely want to talk the most about, I think, this this match, and I, I'm assuming the, the two finale matches. Uh, but NXT North American Championship ladder match. Adam Cole defeated Killian Dane, Lars Sullivan, EC3, Velveteen Dream, and Ricochet. I honestly think that EC3 is the only one who didn't really – he didn't look weak. He just looked out of place, even more so than Lars Sullivan. Um, she got destroyed a lot, including a Vader bomb with Adam Cole on top of Killian Dane's shoulders with a ladder on top of him. Um, but this is a great ladder match. Uh, we were talking about this earlier, actually, on the last podcast. Velveteen Dream did Raymakers to everyone, set up a ladder, did one to Lars Sullivan off the top of it. There was a couple parts where he really made me nervous, the way he was maneuvering, when he had Ricochet on his shoulders and did a, um, I forgot the hell, the twirly twirl. Um, uh, that's not the name of it, but it's his big signature move where he fisherman's carries over. And, yeah. Um, Adam Cole had a super kick party at one point. Killian Dane, Lars Sullivan's definitely going to have something in the future. There were some great parts with Ricochet. One of the most memorable definitely is everyone's on the outside besides Adam Cole, who's pushing Ricochet off the ladder and he does a backflip off of it into everyone. Just insane shit. Uh, people going through tables, people going through ladders. Everyone looked pretty much messed up. Adam Cole, baby, ended up winning. Great night that night for him and his faction. How did you like this match, Chris? I thought it was the best match of the night, and I think the two shine. Guys, you can call me a fanboy a little bit, was Ricochet and Velveteen Dream. And yep. if you want a perfect example, just look at the selling during the Super Kick party. There's a spot where Ricochet got hit, and it looked like someone had shot him in the head. The way he sold it and the way he fell down, not to mention some of the spots uh, he was able to hit throughout the match, even his entrance. He just looked like a fucking superstar in the ring. Um, for storyline purposes, I like that Adam Cole picked it up here. I kind of agree. EC3 did look like he was the weak, weak link in the match. He's He's got a little bit of ring rust. He hasn't, as far as I know, he hasn't wrestled since he left TNA, at least on a major stage like this. But uh, he's in really good shape. I think that he'll be good going forward going to be interesting to see who he mixes up with because I do think EC3 is a good wrestler. So uh, It's also a weird match to put him in right off the bat. I, I think they could have done something else. But uh, overall, you know, it, it was exciting. I think everyone in this match came out looking pretty good. Uh, there were some lulls, but you have to expect that in a match, like a ladder match with six people, you know. So Absolutely. I think the biggest thing is there's going to be a lot of feuds out of this. Killing Dane, Lars Sullivan, like see the two of them tangle it up. Already hints at Velveteen Dream and Ricochet, which I think is money. And I'd like to see EC3 pursue Adam Cole. They had some great interaction too where uh, EC3 tried to do the Adam Cole baby thing, and uh, Adam Cole nailed him. thought that was pretty good. Uh, all right, NXT Women's Championship match. Shanna Baszler defeated Ember Moon. Moon attempted an eclipse but got caught by Baszler in the Karafuda clutch. Uh, Moon passed out in the submission hold, giving Baszler her first taste of NXT gold. I thought it was good. And Fember's going to get called up. She had a pretty decent run with the championship belt. Um, she passed out, which is always good for Babyface. 
because that, that means that they didn't give up. And that was an awesome uh, transition between the Eclipse and then uh, basically getting in there in the clutch. I really like Shanna Baszler. I know a lot of people don't. I don't give a shit. It's, she has a different style. It's MMA-based, so it's going to be a lot more different. But I think she has a lot more potential than even her friend Ronda um, just because that she's, she's been doing it longer, and she looks more fluid. So I enjoyed this match. It was definitely not one of my top matches of the night, but a pretty damn good match. And uh, Shayna Baszler, your new champion. Uh, what do you think, Chris? I was fine with it because it's an ends to the means, right? Like Ember Moon has to get up to Maine. Um, and also Shayna Baszler is their top star right now, especially bringing up Peyton Royce. And, and uh, I can't think of her name right now, but they, you know, they brought up the other two that were basically challenging for the title. And now you get Shayna Baszler versus uh, Kerry Zane, which I yep. think everyone should be looking forward to. I think that's where they're going to go. Um, and I, I agree with you. I think Shayna Baszler's good. I wouldn't say that she has the same uh, ceiling as Ronda Rousey, but I, I think she is good and can be successful in the business, and she's still learning. So I cut her a little bit of slack. I thought the match itself was, was fine. It wasn't the best match of the night. Definitely wasn't Ember Moon's best match, uh, but it, it was it was good overall. Absolutely. I think that the two people I think of for Shayna going forward is Carrie Zane and then um, uh, Candice LeRae. I think she'll have a good fuse with both those ladies uh, in some type of way. All right, third one, NXT Tag Team Championship match for the uh, Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic Finals and the, the belts themselves. The Undisputed Era, Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly defeated the Office of Pain and Pete Dunne and Roderick Strong. Dunne was about to pin Kyle O'Reilly when Strong hit his partner with the end of heartache and threw O'Reilly on top of him, giving the victory in the Dusty Cup for the Undisputed Era. Uh, great heel turn. Definitely thought that was needed. Roderick's personality kind of eh. Now when you put him as a heel with this group, you got like a four horseman thing going on. I mean, you both said he's like the Tully, which makes a lot of sense. They kind of have similar things in common as far as being a great worker. And I think being a heel will benefit him uh, within that. Um, now they have tag titles between them, North American title. They looked the strongest throughout the whole entire night. Um, and I thought the match was a lot of fun too. Uh, I thought Kyle O'Reilly really shined, not only with his work uh, as far as wrestling with the knees and everything, but his mannerisms. That one part where it can come off cheesy, like if you're Shawn Michaels uh, doing it from Hulk Hogan because you're pissed off at him when you come back up. Or if you do like a Roddy Roddy Piper where you're kind of like having a convulsion, you're like, come on, and then you just pass the hell out. He did it in a way, actually, that I popped. I thought it was pretty funny. I, I, he was a standout to me throughout this whole entire thing. Um, I love Pete Dunne, and uh, now Pete Dunne messaged, um, whatchamacallit, Mustache Mountain, and said that he could use their assistance. And uh, Dan, uh, whatchamacallit, Trent Severin said, no problem, we'll be helping you out. So it looks like we're going to be getting – the Undisputed Era versus British Strong Style in the future. Um, How did you like this match, Chris? I really liked it because it built to a story between Pete Dunne and uh, obviously uh, the Undisputed Era. I, I like Pete Dunne a lot, I, and I agree with you. I think this is, for me, Kyle O'Reilly's best showing in NXT, and he had some great spots. And that spot where he popped back up and, and looked like he was ready to fight uh, Hulk Hogan style and just immediately fell out of the ring was great. It is a fun spot. And uh, I also thought that 
obviously uh, Pete Dunne looked amazing towards the end of that match after getting the hot tag and almost getting the win from Roderick only to get fucked over. Uh, made for a really good heel turn. And and like like you said, we had talked about it, so Tully. Like, to me, he's definitely the Tully of that group, which is not a bad thing. Like, Tully, Blanchard, great wrestler, so. No, you got Ole and Arn, who obviously are Kyle O'Reilly and, and Bobby Fish. And then, you know, Adam Cole's a Rick. He's got to be the Tully. He's got to be that ancillary character, that uh, that middle guy. But anyways, the last two matches we need to go over real quick. Um, probably, honestly, the North American title is my favorite match. These were tied for my second. I couldn't figure out which one I liked more. But next league championship match, Aleister Black defeated Andre. Andre Cien Almas, Elena Vega, attempted to interfere by jumping towards Black in the ring, but Black ducked and almost caught her, allowing Black to connect with a Black mass kick for the pinfall victory. Throughout the match, that was a thing. She kept on screwing him over, screwing him over, and finally it ended up screwing the match over for her and Almas. I think Almas is going to be going up very soon. There's a rumor that that's happening. Aleister Black is my favorite NXT champion so far. I'm a huge mark. Chris, how'd you like this match? I thought it was a great match. It was a lot of fun. I hope when Cien Almos goes up that he doesn't lose Selena Vega because I think she adds a lot to his character, and I think that she elevated the match. He, she elevated this match in a way that they wouldn't have been able to do just by themselves. Uh, there was one spot at the end where Aleister Black popped up and, and did like a uh, – what was it? Just like a – I guess a running senton over the top ropes. And I was like, how the fuck did he do that? Because he just caught the knees against the post. Um, I think that was rushed a little bit, obviously, probably due to time or whatever. But outside of that, I thought the match was damn good. And I think that Selena Vega added so much to that match that she needs a uh, round of applause from everyone who was watching it because she was great in it. She's up there with uh, Brandy and uh, Maurice as great female valet to have if you're a heel. All right, last match, and I'm going to pass to you, and then you just say goodbye to everyone. Unsanctioned match, Johnny Gargano defeated Rasta Ciampa. Gargano tapped out Ciampa with an STF assisted by placing Ciampa's knee brace over his own face. Gargano is now reinstated in NXT, probably going to be going after Aleister Black, I'm assuming. I love this match, man. It was a great, great match. What did you think? Best match of the entire weekend. Definitely check it out if you haven't seen it. Uh, Gargano getting the win felt really good, but Tommaso is so fucking great at being a heel. I haven't seen, heard anyone get, get that much heat the entire year, and uh, I think he's going to be great going forward. It's going to be exciting to see these two work again. Everyone have a great week. Sorry for the audio problems, and uh, I love you guys. Yeah, audio is, is, is a lot of fun. But, yeah, guys, thank you so much for listening. I definitely, like I said, that match – Definitely check out a lot of great stuff that build up uh, for a few that normally doesn't get a chance to build that much. But I uh, just want to thank everyone. I hope you guys enjoyed your WrestleMania weekend. Um, and, uh, you know, just hang out. Have a good time. We're going to be here every Wednesday. we got another interview coming up soon. And for the latest and greatest in wrestling news, keep on listening to Wrestling Geeks Alliance.